Hello and welcome to Bladenmore's podcast series, Centre Stage. My name is Sharina Patel and I'm an Associate Director at Bladenmore. On Centre Stage, we tackle the issues that business communicators face, from sustainability communications to employee engagement and brand. In this episode, we're talking about investor relations with Laura Hayter, Chief Executive of the Investor Relations Society. Welcome to Centre Stage, Laura. It's great to have you here. Thank you very much for having me get straight into it. I know we've got three themes that we kind of wanted to speak Mm -hmm. about. But if I could ask you first, in the past, you know, investor relations might have been seen as a cosy Mm -hmm. chat now and again between the CEO and investor analysts. But today, conversations between companies and their stakeholders take place against, you know, a backdrop of increasing regulation, media scrutiny, uh, and pressure. So how has that affected the role of IR teams? I think what we've seen is a real professionalisation of the role. Um, recent recent pandemic, the, the environment, all the challenges that we're facing has just really increased the profile of the role. Um, IROs have to, or investor relations officers really have to have good financial acumen. So they've really had to adapt. Um, you know, long ago they were they were just traditional perhaps seen as co- coordinators, but now they're very much more the senior member with it reporting into the executive team. So there's a lot of changes that have happened in communications around, as we know recently, more interest in sustainability issues. So the role has really broadened. And that means that the investor relations remit has broadened beyond just um, finance, but also non-financial um, issues as well. So I think we're seeing a broadening role. There's been a lot of regulatory change over the past decade anyway, but that's only increasing as we really sort of move into the in, into the next few years as we see more regulation around sustainability communications as well. And that's just only as they have to keep senior management more informed, that's only increased the prominence of the role. And how has the pandemic changed the role of investor relations? Do you think it's increased its profile with the board and the C-suite? Yeah, I think I think we had to be very quickly, very agile, adaptable and dynamic. So we've really had to adapt to those challenges outside of the control of, of a company and the investor relations and communications functions. So I think IR has really risen to the challenge and has improved its, its profile with senior management. And you mentioned ESG and sustainability earlier. ESG compliant funds are on track to represent over 20% of total global assets under management in less than four years. What should IR teams be doing to build robust sustainability story and ensure access to affordable capital? So I think it's really, really getting to grips with what your company's does what its purpose is, understanding what the company is doing to to work towards net zero and making sure that you're not only talking to external people but also internally understanding your company story. And, you know, there's a lot of chat about greenwashing, but, you know, really understanding what's material to your company and making sure that you're disclosing that in a very transparent way and the communications are fluent and disclosure is transparent. It's difficult to stand out, though, isn't it? Because, you know, it feels like 
everyone's got a net zero commitment absolutely you know by 2030 or 2050 which is still kind of 27 years away is there a way for IR teams to help their businesses stand out on ESG and sustainability I think it goes back to that sort of material and understanding what's relevant to your business and not being afraid to not adhere to every disclosure every company is different and you've got different sectors so an oil company's disclosure may be very different to a food retail and and they have different challenges I think um I mentioned COVID uh, a couple of questions ago. It feels like, you know, in the past few years, businesses have been forced to deal with um, challenges like the pandemic, but also supply delays, shortages, inflation now, you know, geopolitics, dramatic swings in foreign exchange. Is there an expectation on IRs to, or IROs, I should say, to understand an increasing array of operational risks? Um, And how can IR teams manage that? I think it goes back to managing your internal stakeholders and your relations well. So making sure you understand you're you're talking to your internal operations. So not only just within finance, strategy, but also sustainability, understanding the different divisions and making sure you're on top of that information. And really IR is is the conduit or is the gatekeeper for all that information. So knowing where to draw on your resources internally. You're not expected to know absolutely everything but understanding where to go and when when to do it. And do you think organisations have sort of caught up to that in terms of structure? So, you know, is the IR function within businesses perceived as the conduit, as you mentioned? You know, does it have the necessary access to information uh, and connections into the business right now? I think I think that's growing and I think that goes back to the sort of profile of the IR. So educating your company internally as well about what IR does. Obviously, that's depending on your resource size and the size of your team. Um, really, as dealing with as much resource as you have, being able to go to the, having time to go to the right people. But I think it's really incumbent on the IR professional to know where they where they should be going and having that information at their fingertips. We've seen that the recession has also brought a lot of job cuts at the banks. Um, Are you seeing more analysts move into the IR role as a result of that? That's a really good question. I think probably a decade ago or even between now and then, we saw a big movement as the changing dynamics within the investment banking community. Um, We saw lots of analysts moving into IR as a result of MIFID and, and changes within research. I think there are some very good analysts that make good IR, but that but it doesn't necessarily mean you are good at IR if you're an analyst. It's a very different role, um, and that's one, one thing to understand. I think as an analyst, you're obviously an expert on the sector and the company, and you, you have the financial acumen, but actually having the communication skills, not everybody necessarily has. But there's some very good analysts that makes, make good IRs as well. So, But I, in terms of going back to your question... There's a steady flow, I'd say, but it's not something I've seen a rush of recently. Okay. You touched on a a little bit of it there um, with the communication skills, but what, in your opinion, does make a good investor relations officer? I think it's um, obviously the communications function as you have to have the financial understanding, um, but having good relations with your shareholders, your analysts, having empathy, 
understanding the story. So it's a very, very broad role. Um, it's a very, it's a great role. It's a, a lucky role to have, um, but it's a very broad role and, and extends, especially now with those sustainability um, communications requirements. It, it extends much more beyond just just the sort of financial numbers. Yeah, because it is so broad, and as it expands, you know, is it converging with PR? And how do you see that playing out in organisations? I wouldn't say it's converging with PR. I think they work well together and it goes back to that working together alongside all your internal stakeholders. But I think, no, I wouldn't say it's converging with PR. And what do you think the future of the IRL is? What kind of big trends do you think are going to change it? Does AI have implications for for investor relations officers? Yeah, I think think there's obviously... Uh, there's different generate. There's the younger generation of fund managers, individual shareholders coming through. I think IRs always required to to adapt and be agile, and that's where the innovation comes in. Um, and digital is really important in that. AI is quite a hot topic at the moment. Um, certainly in terms, generally in terms of data. So making sure you've got data available. Investors are increasingly focusing on AI. Um, it's quite an emerging topic at the moment. I'd say. Yeah, everyone's worried that they're going to get replaced by chat GPT. GPT yeah, <laughs> um, but yeah. you know, um, but how do IRs kind of make sure that they leverage that technology rather than kind of be yeah. swept aside by it? Yeah, I think it's um, goes back to having the information disclosed in the right places. So ensuring you've got all your public information in the right places, so that investors and other stakeholders can find that information um, more more quickly. I think a lot of what investors and, and certainly the ratings agencies are very much driven by data. So it's making sure that you can have that accessible to the, to the ratings agencies. And you mentioned just now, you know, a new generation of shareholders, fund managers. What other trends you're seeing that? I mean, obviously, a focus on ESG is one aspect of that. Mm-hmm. But are there other trends that, you know, investor relations teams need to be alert to, to kind of connect with those audiences better? I think it's a way, it's the way they access information. So beyond the annual report, which would be the traditional method, it's now being much more dynamic in terms of production of information, accessing company products, um, capital markets days, you know, showcasing not only senior management, but also the products and the companies. And I think investors are just looking for new ways to, to find all of that information. So capital markets days, do they need to be kind of, does there need to be a revolution in how capital markets days are done? Or is it kind of more of the same? I think depending on the company and sector, companies are doing it in different ways. Yeah. Um, I think it's also about showcasing products. Are there any particularly memorable or exciting capital markets days that you've seen? I think if we look back at our best practice awards, so the IR Society Best Practice Awards, we have the innovation category um, and we're really looking for companies to to showcase what they've done differently. Um, So off the top of my head, I know that Arcado is recognised for for having, you know, really innovative technology, the way they showcase their products, their their company and and management. WPP has also been recognised for different ways that they've showcased um, digital innovation. Um, Another really interesting thing actually is around retail IR, so retail investor relations. So companies thinking about that wider investor beyond the institutional investor. There's a Finnish company called Valmet 
they created a Facebook and an Instagram page to reach out to their retail investors and really changed the shape of their retail shareholder base. So it's just interesting to see how different companies are doing things. And I think that will only grow as there is demand for sort of innovation and reaching different audiences. That's really interesting. And you mentioned retail investors there. So are we seeing more retail investors buy into UK stocks? Because I know that was a trend during the Mm. pandemic. But is that something that's continuing now? I think there has been a rise. I wouldn't necessarily say if there's been an increasing trend, but I think there's certainly different ways people can access capital. Um, and we saw the likes of Primary Bread, didn't we, in, in um, and access to, to IPOs. Obviously, the IPO market ha- has slowed down a bit. Um, so we may well see that rise again when the market dynamics change. Looking more generally, you know, how has the shareholder register of the average FTSE 100 company changed in the last 10 years. So have UK institutional investors been crowded out by hedge funds and US investors? What we're interested to our members is the rise in passive investing. We were talking the other day about US funds actively investing in the UK. I think last year, as we came out of the pandemic, there was a real interest in European, sort of outside of UK. Um, But we're seeing certainly an increase in US funds in UK stocks coming back, yeah. And and what does that mean in terms of how IR teams navigate that shift then? So I think it's just important that, that companies look at their shareholder targeting is really important and is an effective way to, um, you know, create value and, and making sure that you're on top of and regular outreach to your top shareholders, keeping on top of shareholder movements, um, looking at your peers, who, who's holding your peers. So there's a whole sort of shareholder outreach and and targeting process um, that companies should certainly stay on top of. And we spoke about um, ESG already, but, you know, it's such a big topic. How are IR teams responding to increasing demands to integrate ESG strategies into their businesses? It's a challenge. I mean, there's a lot of, as we know, there's been a lot of noise out there, a lot of theory and information around ESG. So really, it's what we do as the societies really help our members get to grips with what distilling all that information and, and offering practical guidance. So it's it's really important to understand what the regulations are. You know, if you look at current regulation, companies have had to report to TCFD, but there's a lot more coming down the line. So it's really making sure that you're on top of all of that information. Um, there's other regulations coming through next year or this year, later this year, around biodiversity, diversity inclusion, so that it, it's happening quite quickly. And that's a challenge, I think, for companies to stay on top of. And is measurement still a challenge in in the area of ESG and sort of what standards companies use? Or is that kind of starting to become nailed down? I think in terms of the frameworks, you've got the ISSB framework that, that will be coming out. And I think other frameworks will align themselves to that. So hopefully that should make reporting less challenging and, and more standardised, which will in turn help investors. Okay. And, and of course, at the same time, you've got investors, it seems, who are increasingly willing um, to weigh in on company strategy, ESG, executive pay, board composition. Is that a good thing in your eyes? Do you see it as kind of effective collaboration or oftentimes do you see it as kind of interference? 
I think if a company has good corporate governance, then that's incredibly valuable and effective stewardship of the company um, and keeping consistent communications with their investors is all part of that. You know, culture and purpose comes from the top down. And I think if, if investors have that trust in, in management, then it's, it's not interference. It's collaboration and understanding the environment. I asked because, you know, according to a report by Lazard, mm-hmm. activist shareholders started 235 campaigns last year, including a record number in Europe. Right. Which yeah. then, to your point, maybe doesn't reflect that well about trust at that level. Yeah, so there should be more trust, I think. Yeah. Because there's a lot of regulation. Companies are very busy keeping on top of that. So I think there needs to be a movement towards, towards more trust as well between the shareholder and the company. And so in terms of IRs kind of addressing that trend, mm-hmm. um, would you say it's about focusing more on purpose and making sure that's understood outside of the company itself amongst stakeholders? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we have a, we have a good corporate governance code. Um, investors have the stewardship code, but also companies should be confident the corporate governance code is comply or explain. So investor relations have a lot of regulation and reporting challenges to deal with. So it's it's finding the balance, I think. As well as trust, do you think it's also an issue or a cultural shift? So are activist investors finding it easier to bring kind of long-only fund managers in Europe on side than they used to? Is there a cultural shift that's going on here as well? I think there's probably a lot of collective engagement as well, which could some may see as activism, but actually it's good collective engagement. And I think as a company, I would just advise investor relations to be prepared for, you know, there's been a lot of activist um activity. So it's making sure that you're, you're prepared in your strategy to respond to that. So making sure, you know, you communicate with your with your activist as soon as possible. You refer to your broker um, and get the right communication strategy there um, and just being prepared, I think. Okay. And looking kind of more broadly, what, what other challenges do you see for an IR teams in 2023? Well, there's, there's a lot of the macroeconomic challenges um, that we're all faced, inflation, interest rates. So it's just making sure that you're consistent and clear and transparent in your communications. Um, there's a lot of regulation that I, I mentioned earlier around sustainability reporting. So understanding what that means for your company. And yeah, liquidity, I guess, is a challenge for some companies. So again, that goes back to making sure that you understand who your shareholders are. You're reaching out consistently to to your top shareholders in particular. You're looking at um, your targeting and finding new pools of capital. And again, you know, keeping constant communications with with your analysts as well on the sell side. And by targeting, sorry, so you mean specific communications and outreach with specific groups of investors? Yeah, so your your shareholder base can obviously change. So it's making sure you're on top of that, but also identifying new shareholders that may invest in your peers, may invest in, in the sector um, and initiating that, that communication. You mentioned regulation there. We've also got the after effects of Brexit, I suppose, to deal with. What do post-Brexit changes in capital markets mean for IR? So I think initially it was EU rules would be transposed into UK law. I think that's diverging somewhat. So we have 
for example, MIFID and MAR, so the market abuse regulation, which were EU rules, um, and they're being transposed into UK rules. So there's a bit of work there um, just to keep our members and investor relations up to date on that. A bit of divergence, so a bit of work. um, And that's all around the Edinburgh reforms that were announced at the end of last year. So there'll be certain changes in listing rules. Um, There may be some expectation around changes in independent research, short selling rules, prospectus rules. There's there's a lot to be aware of and we'll certainly keep our members updated. So um, yeah, watch this space. So if I understood you correctly, are you anticipating it being more or less a, a transfer of pre-existing yeah, so, European so the regulation. yeah UK regulation will be yeah will be changed to follow alongside EU but but it, there is some divergence so if a company needs to adhere to UK and EU there's a bit of extra regulation to yeah. consider there okay and do you think that divergence is that creating a more or less restrictive environment for companies in the UK I mean that's that's a good question because I think people could argue that there is overregulation. So I think the UK will try to be as simple as possible, but equally, yeah, it's an interesting and busy time for IR, I'd say. And you mentioned a few of the potential areas of reform. So yeah. you mentioned obviously the sustainability reforms that are coming out. You said short selling. Are there any other kind of key key areas to look out for? The one I mentioned which might be of interest to listeners, is around independent research. So certainly for smaller companies, just making relaxing the rules around MIFID um, to make it more accessible for smaller companies to get research. And are there any areas of regulation that you think need addressing or need to change um, for companies and IR teams, in your opinion? As we talked about, um, there hasn't been a lot of regulation in the last few years, but there's a lot coming down that coming down the track around the reporting. So, you know, there is this question of whether the annual report is too long. And I think companies need to be mindful that there's a balance between what you're required to report and what you put in there. Um, And I think certainly ourselves and other associations, professional bodies can help kind of distill that and help companies address that better. Do you think that with the broadening of the role of the investor relations officer, plus all the reforms and regulations that are coming in, that IR teams are becoming overwhelmed? Is there much opportunity for them to uh, kind of differentiate or stand out Mm. uh, with everything they're having to deal with, you know, just on a day-to-day basis? I think think that's that's a really good question. I think if you're a 10-man IR team, you'll have the resource... I think it's the cha- what, where the challenge is, is for the smaller cap companies, the AIM listed companies that might not even have IR. I mean, there, there's obviously different regulations there as well. I think we, we just have to wait and see. But at the moment, it, if we can help companies distill all that information and work out what's, re- what's regulation and what's not, that's where we can help, really. We've seen a big acceleration in the last couple of years in terms of how people and businesses use digital to communicate. We talked about the fact that ChatGPT has just launched and created a bit of commotion. Do IR teams need to refresh their strategies, especially on the digital front? I think they need to make sure that every information they're communicating is accessible digitally. I think with the the younger generation of investor, both in fund managers and across the individual shareholder, 
the way people consume information is, is changing and definitely there's a focus around, as you say, AI and digital disclosure. So I think it's an exciting time for companies to innovate and come up with new technology. And, and then in terms of building and maintaining relationships, how are you seeing IR teams balance that in-person, virtual and hybrid interactions now, you know, in a post-pandemic world? So as we came out of the pandemic, I think people were very keen to return in person, but it has been a slower process. Um, we hear from our members, companies, that they're slowly but surely seeing much more in person and they're very keen for in-person interaction. Um, there's still an element of balancing virtual meetings. So if an investor relations officer is meeting a new shareholder, it may be virtual, it may be only with the investor relations person. Management, if they want to make more efficient use of their time, it may be hybrid. Um, but certainly the conversation is, is returning to in-person and the, the value and the quality of the conversation is is obviously a lot better when you're in person. I think we all benefit from, from seeing each other in person. And investors are saying that as well, that they like to meet in person. They like to not only meet in their offices, but they like to, to actually go out and meet a company, understand the company, see, see the whites of the eyes of the, uh, of, of the company um, and, the, and the IR officer and senior management. So I think we are slowly but surely returning to a more normal environment. And that's definitely been expedited um, since the start of this year. And also investors have commented that they're very keen to meet, not necessarily straight after results on a roadshow, actually meet at different times in the year um, for an update rather than just a regular results roadshow meeting. Yeah. And do you think that seeing the whites of the eyes and meeting in person do you think there is something to that or do you think it's because the technology isn't quite there yet to have a totally virtual relationship? Or do you think, you know, actually always there's something about in-person meetings which is I think, different? I think, I think an in-person is valuable and you get a real sense of the tone and the feeling. I think if you're a fund manager and you've got several different offices in several different locations, obviously a hybrid meeting is more efficient. You've got somebody in Australia or the US or, you know, with, with time differences, I think a hybrid works. Um, but it can also be, you know, there's a different et etiquette, isn't there, to, to online meetings, I think. So a good mix of both. But certainly there is a welcome return to in-person meetings and events. And finally, Laura, in today's market, what do you think it takes to have a truly effective IR team? So, you know, how can an investor relations officer provide value to CFOs and management, but also investors? I think it's about transparent and consistent and clear communications externally. It's about being prepared for every eventuality, ensuring that your management and your board are prepared, having a good relationship with your internal stakeholders, having that information at your fingertips and being able to easily access that information and being the gatekeeper for it. Obviously, having a broad skill set across your IR team is really helpful. There's a, there's some companies that will be smaller um, and less well-resourced. So that's where the challenge is for them. Um, but it, draw on your internal experts if you're only a one-man IR team or you may even be an, a CFO doing IR at the same time. So it's making sure you draw on your internal experts, drawing on your advisors and your brokers um, and just being prepared really. And, you know, as a society, we have a number of corporate members. We have supporting advisors as well. We have a number of resources, events, professional development and our best practice guidelines, which is a really helpful resource for our members. 
And they've just been launched, have they? That's right. Yes, they're ready now for, for members to access. Great. Thanks so much for coming in today, Laura, and joining me in this podcast about investor relations. It's been lovely to have you. Thank you so much for having me. It's been great to chat. In future episodes, we'll be discussing other important issues faced by business communicators. So don't forget to subscribe to Centre Stage wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.